Let's turn it up a little bit. A singer in a smoky room. A smell of wine and cheap perfume. For a smile they can share the night. It goes on and on and on. I get to edit it, like Don't crop it to like the drums. He's the really self-conscious about being on video, guys. I am very self-conscious. But that was As amazing. You can tell, As Little you can does tell. Matt know that the show has already started. <laughs> <laughs> Delete it all you want. Looking to buy or sell real estate? Yeah. You've got questions. We've got answers. Welcome to the show. It's going to be great. Featuring Matt and Jen from Home Team for You. And now, without further ado, it's Matt and Jen from Home Team for You. Hey guys, it's Matt and Jen, and it is time for our podcast episode three. We're super excited to. Three episodes already. Already, yeah. What do we want to talk about today? Who? Well, we are pre recording some of these episodes just so that we can kind of. Get our life together. So, oh, I gotta put my mask on. Um, caught me with my mask off. Come on, Zach. What are you doing? Uh, what, what, uh, caught me with your mask off. Yeah. Thanksgiving is, is this week as we are recording. Um, how does, in the past, let me just, in the past, is there, it, what's the, what's the real estate world like, how, like Thanksgiving week? I'm assuming it must slow down for a few days, right? I think Black Friday affects it more than just the Thanksgiving itself. Do we do People Black are, Friday deals? We should do Black Friday deals. By now, you have to sleep in a tent outside the house. Mm-hmm. Free yeah. home warranty or something. Well, this year things are really different because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But in uh, most other years, it tends to slow down between Thanksgiving and like the Christmas holiday and the New Year. Um, we're not seeing that right now. No, we've been still busy this week. It's, it's been very busy. We had, what, four or five new listings last week, and they almost all got accepted offers this weekend, and the other one will get an offer tonight. So uh, it's definitely still hopping when it comes to real estate. Um, like around the holidays for you guys, I know like everybody typically sees their family, and, you know, you kind of catch up. Is the holidays for you guys like kind of a time where people are like, hey, uh, we're looking to sell and then you just like have family members list after the holidays and they just wait to see you or does that not really happen for you guys? I think we see a lot of the, um, again, typically during this week, you'll see a little bit of slowdown from buyers. The sellers, because there's just not enough inventory still are still out, uh, should be listing right now. But typically we'll see that the, uh, middle to end of January, the rush. I know when it comes to, uh, people buying and selling on the actual like holiday that we have had people on um, Christmas and things reach out to us and want to write an offer and yep. demand that we write it and that they aren't, don't want to wait. I think the one day that uh, the most important day for one of our most important days for Jen and I was the day Caden was born, our oldest. I may have been negotiating an offer at the hospital. <laughs> it was Cinco de Mayo. Cinco it was a Mayo. big holiday. Yeah. Yeah, that was, so that was a holiday. <laughs> 
tacos and margs for everybody. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yeah. You never you never get to go, hey, um, my child is currently being born. Can we just hold off for a second? Probably would have been easier back then too, but that was before DocuSign and digital signatures and before digital offers. It was all hand written well, and delivered. Yeah, if you figure one of the things that my dad remembers from when I was born, and my if those of you guys that don't know, he's been in real estate for a long time. He Since remembers who he was calling. He was going to a payphone, and I don't know if he was putting dimes or quarters or whatever he was putting in. And he remembers who the deals that he was negotiating when I was born. <laughs> it might be a realtor thing. Um, it might be a realtor thing. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys, there really is no days off for you guys. It's really full full go all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that being said, we do have enough control of our schedule that we can block time in because you do have to have a life. And that's one of the things with our team that is really important because we are busy enough that we could work 24 hours a day, but it's like, all right, you do need to have a life. You need to spend time with your family. Yes. Yeah, so. Time blocking for our agents is very important. Mm-hmm. Otherwise Matt you just, just didn't going. do for the birth of our child. Whatever. He wasn't on my schedule. <laughs> he wasn't there yet. That's right. <laughs> there was time. I was Not like he was your only child. That's right. Carson used a second, so just kind of whatever. Yeah. Oh, my. Ends <laughs> out. I mean, to be fair, it is a little bit hard to plan for for uh, knowing exactly when that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, both of our kids came on the due date, so not that hard. Really, both of them? Both. I was born on my due date, too. Wow. So you, all the cool kids. No, I... <laughs> <laughs> I was not. I was like, I'm not coming out. Forget this. I'm I'm cooking for a little bit longer. I didn't want to be a June baby. I waited till July 1st. There you go. Canada Day. Really? I, I guess. It's also it's also halfway through the year. Pretty cool, eh? My my half birthday is New Year's. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> so in school, in school when your birthday is in the summertime, you know, they celebrate your half birthday a lot of times. So I didn't get either one. You got hoes. Short <laughs> both that side. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say my birthday is in July too, so I know the summer birthday struggle. It's it's honestly though, it's not that bad because your birthday's in the summer, so it's pretty dope. As long as people are around, nobody's ever around for Fourth of July. But we're all spring. Jen was March. I'm April, and Kane's May, and Carson June. Yeah. How do we do that? Not on all purpose. at once. One birthday. One birthday. Mm-hmm. One one party. Carson gets hosed because he's June, and we're just like, we're tired now. <laughs> <laughs> tired by June. Tired, tired of oh, parties. We would have made it through Cinco de Mayo, so. Mm-hmm. Cinco de Drinko. So speaking of Cinco de Drinko, mm-hmm. actually, I don't know how I'm going to segue into this. <laughs> Let's drop that, that segue. Anyhow, random segue. Today's topic that I thought we could talk about um, is something that I think is very important, and that is building trust and trusting your realtor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, buying and selling a home for individuals and families is probably the biggest purchase they'll ever do in their lifetime. And uh, finding someone that you can trust to help you through that process is kind of a big deal because uh, so much goes on in uh, that whole process. And I'm sure you guys have some stories of times when, you know, maybe uh, clients weren't, were a little hesitant or how you made them feel at ease or like, what's the process of how does a client, how does one go about finding a realtor they can trust? 
trust is earned. So I think once you have somebody that's working for you, as realtors, we have to show that they can trust us by you know advising them in different ways and make letting them make the choice. Mm-hmm. When it comes to that, I know um, if you think about it in an like a, like a doctor, when I go to the doctor, if I have something wrong, I'm not going to not tell the doctor my symptoms and things. I'm going to tell them everything that's going on so that they can help me. And it's kind of the same in real estate because if it's not a two-way street and if you're a buyer and you're like, well, I'm not going to tell them my top dollar, I'm not going to tell them that, we need to have that back and forth because we're going to work for you in your best interest but if you're holding things back from us that can make it really hard to negotiate definitely but i think it's again just you know letting us know what you're looking for and what your wants and needs might be and we advise you and you make the decision um what or maybe like when when is a time that you guys feel like you've had somebody holding back information like that from you guys and what did you guys kind of do to make sure that you were able to actually get the correct information that you needed to properly represent them in that transaction? I think it's, I don't know if we've had, maybe Jen has, but I don't know that I've had that experience. You just kind of learn that over time where somebody may tell you, okay, this is my top price. This is all as high as I want to go. But during the transaction, you find out through counter offers and negotiations that it could be higher. And it's not even just, price sometimes it can be things with terms where people will not tell you that they're in a lease or they can't get out of a lease or there's things that they're thinking about that are in the back of their mind that if they would just say hey I'm in a lease we could say okay here's the things you can do let's talk to your landlord let's try and sublet but they don't let us know those things and if we don't know then we can't help Definitely. So if you are um, looking to buy or sell your home and you maybe let's, I got two questions. Let's start with, with option one, option one, they actually, their friend is a realtor, um, you know, they, or something. What's your recommendation when it comes to working with friends uh, for your buying and selling needs? Are they our clients or somebody else's? <laughs> There, no, it's it's just a random person out there and like they know a friend because I'm sure you guys have come across this a lot of times where um, they'll come across you guys for whatever reason and then they'll end up going, they'll say something along the lines of like, oh yeah, well, I got a friend who's a realtor, uh, you know, my best friend or my uncle or something like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of trust there with friends and, and relatives, uh, but also I feel like there's a little bit of a, a risk there if things go awry or what, what are the, some of the potential hurdles with that? I think it's harder for, at least from my perspective, it's it's kind of hard with family and friends to advise them and step back because you may be emotionally involved with the purchase as well as they are. So as an agent, you have to really step back and you know identify how they can get the house and what the best terms might be for their situation instead of having an emotional attachment to that. You know, when Matt and I are selling real estate of our own, I'm the realtor and he's the... I'm the best seller He's ever. the seller. <laughs> so I don't have as much problem being able to work with uh, friends and family and be able to tell. I mean, one of the things that we do as realtors is sometimes we have to tell people things that are hard. And I've just gotten used to being able to say, here's what it is. And here's our next steps. 
and then folks can make decisions from there. So and I think it's the same. Good morning. Is your ding? <laughs> it's my computer. It's just saying hello. Um, but I think it just goes back to whether it's family, friends, whoever it might be, is just give them, lay out the information and let them make the decision and um, advise them as best as you can. Because there's a part where you hear that people are afraid to tell their friends or their family, you know, you need to do X, Y, Z. And just mm. in our team concept, when I'm reviewing offers with our team members and things, I'm going through all of these offers and I'm like, what about this? What about this? What about that? Let's change this to make your offer stronger. So I'm, you just have to be able to tell people stuff that might be a little bit hard because if you don't, they're going to be very upset. And it could be sometimes the family, friends may not want to tell you financial information, which is a lot of what real estate has to has involved mm -hmm. with it, obviously, is you have to have the financing to put it in play. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, it needs to be the right situation. All right. So let's say uh, I don't have any family or friends that could be uh, Sorry. working with me. That could help <laughs> me with selling a home. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, where do you go next? How do you, where do you start? What do you do? How do you find the best realtor? Is there a, you go to home team for you.com. Oh, okay. <laughs> what if you, okay, fine. Sorry. <laughs> question Shame, answer. Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. Next answer. Next question. Um, you find a lot of the buyers start online. Obviously is the first step is what we find. And it could be a online source like Zillow realtor.com or again, home team for you.com. You can't help Shameless yourself. Plug. You can't yeah. help yourself. <laughs> Being real, I think how most people find us and find their realtors is they're out looking on uh, websites. They're looking on Zillow. They're reading reviews. It's kind of like when you buy stuff on Amazon. You're out there. You're looking. It's like, all right, well, this one looks kind of good. Let's look at the reviews. Oh, my goodness. I don't, I don't connect with that. On to the next. So doing your research, doing your homeworks, really digging in can, can make it so that you find the person you're comfy with. So let's say you you do some research and you think that you found, you know, the, the perfect realtor or whatever. You go and you start looking and they're helping you, um, but you soon find out that they can't do everything they said. Um, like one of the benefits of having a team is when one agent is a little bit busy, another agent can help them pick up that slack. We have people to market and handle paperwork and all that stuff. And when you're a single agent, sometimes they can't handle all that at one time. So what should somebody do if they kind of get in a situation where their realtor isn't representing them like they feel they should, or they just outright are trying to find another realtor? Yeah, I don't know. It's got to be tough even right now with as busy as the market is to have a single agent working for, on your behalf. Um, this part of the team concept is, is huge because if – Katie's out showing a house or whoever that might be in our team. We have another 15, 20 people that can step in and help her out while she's out doing that appointment. So it's important to have, I don't, again, I don't know how a single agent could handle it. So if somebody is struggling with their agent, do you have any advice for them or they just got to ride that out? For you. No, it, com. it really depends <laughs> on what their situation is. Because if you're in a buyer agency contract with that person, it's yes. different than if you just had a showing with that person. So if someone is unhappy with the representation that they have, they should talk to that person. I mean, in any relationship, communication is key. 
So if you feel you're not being represented properly, have a conversation. And if things aren't resolved, you would want to talk to that person's broker. And it goes back to your, one of your initial questions was the communication. That's all this is about. Mm -hmm. uh, communication back and forth and um, open and honest. But to avoid all that, home team for you.com, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was going to wait to put that back. Shameless in, plug. Let's rewind for a couple of seconds. Uh, Jen, you said a kind of a buzzword that I don't think all the listeners know. Mm -hmm. What is a buyer agency contract? So a buyer agency contract is where you would sign a written agreement where you are indicating what you are saying like you put your top price in and things like that. And then you're committing that you're going to be working with that agent. And then that agent is committing that they're going to work for you for your interests to get you the best terms, best price, all of those kinds of things. And then there's usually a time on it. It can be a year, it can be six months, it can be a month. What's typical? A lot of times I think in this market, people do about 180 days. Okay. That's six months for you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. In real that's a speak, lot of that, days. That's 180 <laughs> days. Oh, wow. I think if you do the math, it's not actually 180. It doesn't equal six months, yeah, but we'll right, let yeah. it go. You know. Calculator. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I have another subject that kind of plays off of trusting your realtor. Mm -hmm. But before we jump into that subject, I thought we would kind of, you know, take a step back and maybe play a game. So oh. I'm going to be three Wednesday after this game. Matt's a little competitive. All right, everybody. Oh, it's time for 60 on. seconds to sell. Hey. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to win. All right, 60 seconds <laughs> to glasses. sell. It, it's the glasses. In this game, selling. Matt and Jen are going to take turns looking at the same property. In the future, maybe we'll switch it up, but this is how the game works now. They're going to take turns looking at the same property, and they have 60 seconds to try to sell us that property. Rock, paper, scissors for this? Still no. So um, I need, I need, you guys need to. Matt, you're going first this Matt's time. going first. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Matt, you are lucking out today for this episode because you actually are in the video. Oh, no. Oh, yes. All right. So let me. Uh, which one let, is this? Let me plop this sucker down. First? You don't even need to know. Dude, you're going to see in like two seconds. <laughs> you're in it takes video. two seconds off my... Hey, this is 1007 <laughs> where you're court in Wanakee, Wisconsin. <laughs> it's the same thing. All right. I actually just came from there. It's going. You, you want to walk right in? You have a great formal entryway with two, st two staircases. Awesome office to your right. That's to my back. Huge staircase. Uh, living room. This is taking longer than 60 seconds. And right behind that uh, white door in the office goes to a half bath. Um, yeah, I'll skip ahead for you. Want to give us guns? Granite countertops, huge kitchen, great for entertaining. Pantry back to my, it would be to my left on the screen. Um, huge sink. And jumping ahead. And uh, <laughs> great backyard, fenced, huge deck. Um, great for entertaining again. Again, it's in Wanakee, Wisconsin, uh, 1007 Warrior Court. Uh, upstairs, get a little bit faster. Upstairs is the behind that door. Stop. Behind those doors is the washer dryer. This is one of the kids' rooms. Uh, there's three bedrooms up, one down. Exposed basement, uh, huge play area downstairs also, and a half three quarter bath. Bye. Wow. <laughs> All right. Oh my. Top that. <laughs> <laughs> there's the washer dryer I was just talking about. 
Oh, no cheating. No cheating. <laughs> Hold on. Do I get more, more time? So does Jen get the same one or a different one? She's going to get the same one. <laughs> I think I'll just play more of the video. Jen can sell the other half of the property. All right. There's more. Hold well, on. Also, I, I just want to point out that you said there was like three staircases in this house. <laughs> there is only one staircase. Well, there's, there's, there's a landing. There's the one going up to the landing. The other one went up, and there's one going downstairs. There's three staircases. Okay. Nice <laughs> wow, Zach. Know your property. Boom. Yeah, I guess I just walked up one stairwell while I was there. I got confused. All right, Jen. I'm going to jump to right here and take it away, Jen. All right. Welcome to Wanakee. We have a beautiful two-story. We have this living room that we are going to just walk right through because we are apparently going up. <laughs> All right. Legs up, now. knees up, Matt. Go, go, go. 41 seconds left. All right. Oh, and there is a main bathroom. This is perfect for kids, other family members. And hey, there's even a shower. Back to this room. Going in. Hey, there's a vaulted ceiling. And you are ready to turn this into your brewer room, or it could be Spider-Man. It is ready. Hey, they're brewers. How did I know that? That's amazing. Oh, look. Are we where? Master bedroom. Okay. Oh, and here's the master bath. You've got dual sinks, and now we're just going to go in and totally hang tough in the toilet? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Woo! That concludes this episode. (laughs) That got Um, the downstairs. uh, We need to to get to the basement. Yeah, no. It's uh, it's okay, though. (laughs) All right. Try again. That was was a very frantic episode of 60 Seconds to Sell. (laughs) I kind of liked it. (laughs) It was a mad dash for sure. Although I do like the lead in, like, uh, I feel like you guys' personalities really come out. Matt's like really giving you the information, hard facts as you go through. Jen's fluff. Jen's really like hyping it up and giving you the full full walkthrough experience. So, yeah, but you were walking too slow. We need to put Matt in like (laughs) warp speed. Like here's Matt high kicking up the stairs. There he goes. Sixty seconds through. Can you fast like make that run faster? We'll put it in one and a half time for you guys next (laughs) next time we do it. Uh. Yeah. Well, if you watch the full video, it's about five or six minutes long, and our game is only 60 seconds. so It's 120 f- seconds. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little hard. It's a great property. Hopefully, it'll have an accepted offer soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The owner's okay. Yeah. I mean, the property did look nice from the quick little glances we got of various it, things. Yeah, it's really nice. The backyard is yeah. huge. The deck is huge. Yeah. And it's composite, so you don't even have to stain it. That's Location's kind of nice, too. Easy access to... The interstate or the west side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, before we started filming this episode of the podcast, uh, we were playing around and working some ideas. In future episodes where we do 60 seconds to sell, we might switch it up. So instead of just like real properties that we're actually selling, we might switch it up into um, famous properties, like properties from movies or the TV Death shows. Star. The Death Star. Sure. Can we sell a planet now. You a keep house? saying the Death Star, which kind of <laughs> makes it. I can't put that in the episode now. So don't say any properties so that much, you want. So much better though. You could have people that have. If, if you have. 
Man wants to sell a planet. Can, <laughs> sell a planet. Can we get a home valuation on home, Mars? Home team for you, planet. Please. What is that worth? I don't know. What are the comps? Is it Death Star technically a planet? Elon's looking to buy. <laughs> True. I'm not sure the Death Star was actually a planet though. It's about the size of a moon. That's right. There you go. It's good size. Remember good size real estate. Lots of lots yeah. of bed and baths. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of toilets to clean. Yeah. Yeah. You might have to get some droids. <laughs> All right, we're geeking out here, y'all. <laughs> and Jen, back. Jen still doesn't know what we're talking okay, about. Okay, <laughs> okay, so real estate. Real estate. Let me see. Where's my other little fun graphic that I just made, which made a beeping noise in the middle of the podcast because I'm an amateur. Uh, so uh, what we were talking about before we jumped into our game was trusting your realtor. And one of the things that I know you guys love to do is you love to set the pricing of a home below market value. Because that creates a bidding war. So what I was hoping we could discuss is what the heck is a bidding war? And how do we go about bidding our wars up? So do you guys want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, you guys use eBay? I have been known to. Uh, I sold a couple uh, Xbox 360s in my day. <laughs> I heard that story this morning. <laughs> But I think it's the same type of idea where you create that uh, competitive, um, I don't know, competitive edge or feeling between people. You're trying to get an auction-like atmosphere in the property. So if you price it just below market value, you're going to have more folks that come in and say, wow, this is an exceptional value. And they're going to start to think about putting offers in and is there hearing that they could be in competition, then people start to want to compete. And if you can get multiple offers, then you can leverage the offers against each other to raise up the price, which is a win for the seller. And so that's the type of market you could do it in though. So if the market flips to a buyer's market, then we're not going to be able to do that. Why is that? There's just not as much demand for how many houses are out there. So they have different options and more options to buy something else. So if it's below market value, there's a lot of options, and you place it, you place it below market value, basically you're just going to sell your house for less than what it's worth in that situation. In that situation. When it's a buyer's market, sometimes you do have to price a little bit lower to, to get the buyers to bite because they aren't as interested. So it, it can work in both scenarios, actually. But you don't necessarily, yeah, you're not going to get a bidding war in a buyer's market, but you're going to get an offer. Quicker. <laughs> so that that is a win in a buyer's market. Is, it, is there a lot of um, hesitation when it comes to that stuff? You know, first determining, as we talked about in previous episodes, determining the value of your home uh, is a scary proposition, especially for people that think it's worth more than it is. So then you finally get them to accept the reality of what market value is. And then you come back and say, okay, now we're going to actually set the price lower than even that. Do you get a lot of pushback with that concept? I think it's just the, again, we advise they make the decisions. So we advise them, here's what we can do and here's how we do it. And then they have to decide if that's the, the route they want to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I do understand. And the thing is, we have a three-tier pricing strategy. So there's multiple different ways where people can price. They don't always have to go for the bidding war strategy. Some people, they're just like, that's not comfortable. I'm not doing that. So we can price right at market value. We can do more of a needle in a haystack kind of pricing. We're, we're going to do what's going to work for the client. What's needle in a haystack? 
needle in the haystack would mean that we're going to look at all the comparables in the area and then we're going to price above the highest so that we're basically going to be the top echelon of pricing in the neighborhood and we're looking for the buyer who usually ends up being the needle in the haystack. It's like that one in a million who will be like, all right, I'm paying that. I want that house. It just means in most cases the seller has to be willing to be on the market for a while because that doesn't always happen right away. Part of the issue with having the house on the market for a while, though, in this market is, you know, if you're a week or two into your selling process without an offer, people are like, what's wrong with the house? Mm. <laughs> so needle in a haystack in this market, probably, probably not idea. the best way to go, but that, I mean, we make recommendations and the sellers make decisions. So you guys would probably say that you make different recommendations on how to price uh, depending on how the market is. Like right now, it's more advantageous because of how hot it is to create that bidding war atmosphere. But when it's more so maybe leaning towards buyers, it's better to maybe, if you're going to sit for a long time, maybe price where you might be able to get more money or price below and sell faster. It depends on their individual situation and really, uh, like past podcasts, we've talked about absorption rates. So if there's, you know, a year's worth of inventory on the market, it would be most advantageous for a seller to price a little under market value to get more interest. Otherwise, they're going to sit for a long time. It's funny how the, regardless of the pricing strategy, the final price kind of comes out in the wash once you get offers. So it's a matter of, you know, competitiveness. If you want to try to get that competition going between different buyers um, and get it sold. Because that even if you're doing it that way, your price will probably get right about to where the market value is because that's what somebody's willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Matt, what is market value? Whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And how do you determine that? When it sells. <laughs> <laughs> I know we did a whole, a whole, the whole last episode was supposed to be focused on uh, how to price your home effectively. Uh, but if we could just recap that again, because I'm sure there are people that uh, are just trying to figure out what exactly is my home worth? How do I know what I'm supposed to sell it for? You just, and I, if you could just recap some of those uh, key points. When it comes to pricing a house, there are lots of different ways. I know the public probably goes to a lot of websites and they look at Zestimates and things like that. Uh, so you've got that as a guideline. You have your tax assessment. That's a guideline. Could those be totally different from each other? For sure. What we do as Realtors is we are going in and we are looking at comparable sales that have sold in your neighborhood. And if there aren't any comparable sales in your neighborhood, we're going to go out a little farther. We might go back a little further, but it's really looking at what's happening in the market. And then we uh, analyze it and we're able to present it and say, okay, this one has one extra bathroom than you. So this one's probably a little bit more than yours. And it's a bit of an art. I think for most, like for our listing appointments, we'll take along com- those comparable sales and lay them out with the seller and say, again, it's a communication part. It's like, okay, here's what this house sold for. Uh, it looks identical to your same square footage. They have maybe one more bathroom. Okay, what is that worth? Or they have a two-car garage versus a one-car garage. What is that worth? Mm-hmm. And we just lay out the information and come to a, a mutual decision, I guess, between the sellers and us. Mm-hmm. So let's flip the script for a second. Mm-hmm. All right, we... Uh, we, we kind of talked about setting the price for selling the home, but what if you're a buyer? You're looking to buy and you get yourself caught in a bidding war. 
what kind of offer do you need to present to uh, win out? What what are the, some of the variables in there? I mean, price is one of them, right? But there's other there's other elements, I assume. It comes back to the terms that we talked about uh, a little bit ago. It could be closing date. It could be no appraisal. It could be whether there's an inspection or not, uh, rate on or home. So there's different things we can hit on to help buyers negotiate or wind their way through the process. Yeah, it's also important when you're in buyer agency with a client, you can do the comparables for them as well. So they can see if we offer 20,000 over, is this property going to appraise? Am I going to have to bring money to the closing and making sure that buyers have all of that information up front? Because sometimes that's not going to be something that they would want to do. So we we work all of those angles too. Talk to the talk a little bit more about appraisal. So what an appraisal is is when the bank sends an independent or a third party out to look at the property and they pull the same kind of comparables and they say, "Okay, yes, the value for the property is there and it meets what the person is willing to pay for it." So what happens in this market is sometimes uh, the appraisal will come in low, and if the appraisal comes in low, the only way for the sale to close would be for either the seller to come down in price or the buyer to bring funds or some kind of combination of both. So knowing about that upfront can be really important for a buyer because the appraisal is almost at the end. You've already put money down for your mortgage, you've paid for your inspection, now you've paid for your appraisal, and your appraisal came in low. If you know going in that you have a higher probability that that might happen, you may be able to say, hey, dad, hey, grandpa, could you loan me money if this happens, if you really want the house? So think about that, what I just said about who determines market value. It's not the buyers. It uh, could be an appraiser. Mm-hmm. So if you're selling a home, wouldn't you want to get an appraiser before you, like during the, the before you even put it up for market so that you know what it's, you um, can, but listed. you can, but the issue is you could have a different appraiser appraise it for a different amount. So you can't have the same appraiser that appraised it prior to listing. You can't use that same appraiser typically to do the appraisal on the sale for yeah. the bank. So banks usually, because of what happened when the market went down in like 2006, banks can't just pick, this is my go-to guide, the value is going to be there. So they have like a rotation of appraisers and you just get who you're going to get. So if a buyer says, I'm going to have it appraised ahead of time, they can do that, but the appraisal that they got can't even be used. It will be whatever the bank's assigned appraiser says. And when the banks appraise a home, are they putting in any factors? Do they have any more knowledge than what you guys have access to when you set the market value or what you think the house should go for sale? It's the same art of it where they're pulling comps that they feel are the most similar and sometimes we know a lot more because we'll know about upgrades that happened or or things that the sellers can tell us that the appraiser might not be privy to. Appraisers are typically more numbers orientated than um, features and that kind of thing so they're more square footage and how much for a basement square footage and what does it cost for a square foot of basement and etc. Yeah from our perspective If we get 20 offers, they're all over asking, and then it comes in under the, or the appraisal comes in low. It's like, if there was 20 people willing to pay over asking, don't you think that that's market value? But you can argue that till you're blue in the face to an appraiser, and 
it, it won't necessarily change anything. Does that happen often where you have uh, like a lot of offers or even just a single offer where it's over asking and then, or it's even right at what they asked for and not over. And then the appraisal comes in low. Like, is that common or not really? I think the issue with earlier in the year was the market was catching up. So the value has gone up. So what we have is we have a lot of comparable sales that the assessors or appraisers were using, but there was sales that were happening that were going to be closing that were sold X amount of dollars more. So it was, there was an issue earlier in the year, but you know, probably I don't think we've had a problem for you know most of the year. I think it was very early on. Yeah. Knock on wood, but we are really coaching our team to be very aware of what's going on with that. So we're, very cognizant of the fact that, hey, your person's going in 20 over, can they make up the difference, yes or no? And if, this, and if the seller is willing to make up the difference too or split mm-hmm. the difference or whatever that might be. Yep. So it's more of a conversation than it used to be when appraisals started to be more of a thing. It was like, surprise, holy cow, we have a problem, now what? And where most of us realtors were paying attention to it. And it's like, okay, this could be an issue. Let's already plan for this. So we will be fine. So, Again, it goes back to the communication back and forth with uh, the buyers. Mm-hmm. All right. So going back to uh, placing an offer as a buyer, um, you want to, and you're in a bidding war, and maybe there's already been offers out there or you suspect there's going to be offers out there. Priority-wise, what are you looking to um, choose, you know, make the pot a little bit bigger? Do you just go for paying for more for the home or do you go for no appraisal or – like what? What's kind of the the go to things that you want to focus on first? I think. Well, it de- again, it depends on the buyer situation where they want to go because we it's their decision. But um, price, um, I think, would be one. Closing would be the two. I'm sure, Jen has a couple more that she has opinions on. For me, when I'm thinking about price, you can go high, high, high on price and just keep going higher. But if you have a buyer that is putting 5% down and doesn't have any cash to that seller, that doesn't mean anything because if it doesn't appraise, they're not going to actually get that amount. So it's much more important if you have a, a buyer with a lower down payment that they be willing to cover some of the appraisal. Because if they say, all right, well, we can prove that we have 20000 in cash and no, we're not putting that down, but we could bring that to the table if we needed to, that makes the offer infinitely stronger than what it would be if you don't have that. It's crazy now how, you know, all the little items like the stuff that was standard before the inspections um, and different things, the buyers are waiving just to be able to have a chance at getting the house. Mm-hmm. They're also putting caps on what they would ask for on an inspection. Or even escalation clauses where it could escalate the price up. What's an escalation clause? Back to my eBay example, you set your top dollar, and then the price keeps escalating until it reaches that top dollar, and that's as high as they'll go. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've written those 20000 over, people willing to cover 20000 short on the appraisal when they're really competitive. But those folks... They, they have those funds. They want the property. It's, it, they know, like, I could end up having to pay that, but they want the property. It's like sometimes you have to do that, especially if you're competing. What's the biggest thing that you compete against, Matt? Other buyers? Well, <laughs> for offers. What's, what's king? 
Cash. Cash. So if you are a mortgage buyer and you are competing against cash, you have to make your terms pretty amazing to be able to beat cash. Because some folks will take a cash offer that's less just because they know that it's not going to have appraisal issues and it's it's guaranteed. I think the inspections being waived are almost as important as some of these other items though too. Because I think you're, it basically solidifies that offer, not have to worry about inspections. Inspections open up a whole nother round of negotiations. It's I mean, the buyers have to be willing to take on the in, non-inspected house too, right? That sounds dangerous. Well, it could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would I suggest it? I mean, it depends on the, the situation. If you have a buyer who's a contractor and they're really handy and, and or they family could, member. or family, then that's one thing. But if it's like me buying a house without doing inspection, if I didn't have Matt, no way, no how would I do that? I can't fix anything. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's really True. buyer specific. You can fix Christmas trees. <laughs> That's right. I, I can do that. I have some mad skills there. Great. Well, I think uh, I think we have a lot of juicy content that for, you know, trusting your realtors today, uh, but, you know, what to do if you're trying to sell with bidding war strategy, what to do if buying with a bidding war strategy. Uh, is there any other kind of final little recap moments before we kind of wrap up episode three? I guess kind of how we started when it comes to that realtor client relationship, um, figure out your person and then be honest with them, communicate with them, and it's going to make the experience way better for all parties involved because then we are able to truly negotiate and get you the best terms and price without having any surprises. And definitely communicate with your agent back and forth. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cue some outro music this time. All right, that concludes today's episode. If you enjoyed us, make sure you give us a five-star rating on your platform of choice. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.